Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Unfair and Lovely. I'm Mariam. I'm Jessie. And I'm Vidya. So just before starting the episode off, we just want to give a little trigger warning to let everyone know that we are going to be touching on quite sensitive topics um, of rape, domestic abuse, assault. So I guess starting the conversation off, guys, what's what's everyone's understanding of like recent events or, or statistics or anything that exists out there regarding this issue? Well, to be honest, with recent events with Sarah Everard's death, it's hit really hard. Because you think gender-based violence against women in the UK has improved over time, but this is proof that it's just as bad as it was before. Yeah, yeah. I think, like with recent events, it was it was not shocking at all when that ninety-seven percent statistic came out. Um, you know, sexual harassment in whatever form has been a part of daily life for women way longer than since like social media has decided to push certain cases to the forefront. Um, and I guess in regards to the Sarah Everard case. I don't think I posted much on her case, if I'm honest. I did speak about the issue, however. And that wasn't, like, for any particular reason. But I don't think, you know, my activism necessarily stems from, you know, one, only posting on social issues, and two, posting one case and then, you know, never speaking of the issue again. But, like, of course, what happened to Sarah was, like, fucking upsetting. You know, another woman who wasn't, like, allowed to go about her evening, that too, like, by a police officer... But I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, I I guess it kind of confused me why just the one story was being pushed so hard. You know, women die and go missing every day. And the sad part is not everyone gets their their story told or will ever get justice. Um, So like, I guess since I'm going on a tangent, you know, there was another case. Um, I think her name was Blessing, Blessing Olusegun. And she was like a 21 year old student who was found dead on Sussex Beach and and supposedly there was nothing to investigate and her death remains a mystery. And then there was another case where, like, I can't remember their name, uh, which kind of speaks for itself, but um, I think there was two women who were were, uh, something around, like, being killed by police officers as well and being left for dead. So, yeah, I think recent cases and and cases in general have just been, like, really upsetting to to see and and then die off and then see again. Yeah, what about you, Mariam? So another stat that I read um, was UN Women did a survey in the UK, I think it was in 2019, and they found that 86% of all women between the ages of 18 and 24 said that they had been through some sort of sexual harassment in a public place. And then 3% said that they hadn't, they couldn't recall experiencing any sexual harassment. But um the remaining 11% chose not to answer the question. And to me, that was pretty disheartening because I link that to like the 11% not feeling confident enough to speak out or like just even say, yes, I have been through this as a woman. Like I, that this happened to me. And I think it is like representative of women that don't feel comfortable and might feel embarrassed or not supported enough to talk about it and and. They feel like they're not, they can't trust authorities um, to support them and actually stand up for them. Oh, yeah. I think touching on like authorities and stuff, I'm glad there's like, you know, independent support services that exist out there. So I guess, for example, my auntie works for Refuge, which is like exactly what I said it's an independent support service for those experiencing gender-based violence so I think I, I, I think I did volunteer there for, for a bit and some of the cases that I, I dealt with or was or as well as like heard of um, from my auntie were, were crazy so you know there was women who metaphorically couldn't breathe in their own homes they were trapped in like a cycle of always going back to their abuser because you know they'd have nowhere else to go and and I remember there was this case actually where women, a woman eventually you know got killed in front of a child by her abuser in broad daylight for, for leaving. Uh, so these children have to witness this stuff as well. And then also sort of women having to stay on high alert because they have to get you know locks or systems fitted into their home because they're because they're always scared. So you know these are obviously like high risk cases, but it's even everyday things like redirecting your route home. 
um, speed walking, keeping pepper spray or like a sharp object on you. But I don't think, you know, since uh, we were talking about the Sarah Everard case, I don't think there's in any means me saying, you know, one case is more or less than another, but it can just be stressful to go through like these three week waves of posting one thing or issue on socials forgetting about it and then posting something else horrid that's happening like you know the heightened racism asians are facing and then forgetting about it again you know these socials these social issues sorry are clearly not weekly sprints they're ongoing so temporary input is not going to lead to some sort of permanent outcome things are not going to change like this i was just going to say they kind of end up feeling like trends rather than actual issues yeah exactly I was going to say, I feel with any sort of movement, you know, whether it's empowering women's rights or as we've seen with the Black Lives Matter movement, if you post it all the time on social media, there is an oversaturation of sharing. Mm. And it's almost as if you're taking away the value of what you're fighting for. But then again, you know, there's this whole aspect that it is in fact seen as a trend and a performative act. You know, when you're only posting something when it's blown up and you're seeing other people sharing the same resources too so i guess it's hard to say what the best way of genuine activism is you know you constantly you know share these things on instagram and facebook and have barely anybody properly engage with it or if you simply post it at the moment it's occurring which might not have a long-term impact at all Mm, that's actually that is a good point because you know the whole oversaturation of of some posts that can lack engagement or, or like waiting as well like there's not much weight or substance to it like what is this adding what is this doing mm. is this only reinforcing some sort of performative thing where if i post this i've done my bit and in the case of like women facing sexual harassment i can sort of understand why it's frustrating to have to come onto socials like every few months and explain that yes this is daily occurrence and no the stats are not exaggerated you just don't want to face reality and are ultimately comfortable with a system that obviously benefits you and then everyone forgets and it's a cycle but like i think my issue was also on social media is sort of the emphasis of women having of putting the focus on women having to adapt for any social change whether that's like you know like i said encouraging the pepper spray or carry this with you um no because clearly that hasn't worked like how many times does like one have to say it's not what i was wearing it wasn't the tone of my voice it's not my behavior victim blaming isn't the one yeah exactly we are not the issue so in what right mind does it make sense that we need to amend the way we live so i think there just needs to be it just needs to not be performative you need to be doing stuff outside of of social media uh, to, to actually account for any change agreed yeah also i think it's fucking mad that most of us have a whole checklist when we go out scared to wear a certain piece of clothing in a particular area or making sure we come back home before it's too dark if we're by ourselves you know it's crazy to think we've adopted this notion that this is it this is the reality of the situation for pretty much all women and we've seen with sarah everard's death we can't even trust the bloody authorities when it comes to safety so where are we meant to go who are we meant to turn to yeah for sure do you guys do anything in particular to like keep yourself protected or like routines like you said is there anything in particular you guys do i don't i mean it's kind of inevitable to be honest to to have a routine because like i said the system doesn't benefit us in in the sense that we're not safe when we go out so kind of forced into sort of even if i went out thinking you know what i don't care what i'm wearing or what i'm i don't care eventually you're going to have to end up doing something that in in order to like to protect yourself whether that is uh, like going a different route or or speeding up or trying to like go Mm. into a crowded place so so you can get away from someone you just have to yeah i always find i just end up gripping my keys really tight if i'm ever walking home alone yeah keeping your keys in between your knuckles i always do that yeah just making sure that i have some sort of like self-defense thing or, or something on my side that can such a shame it's scary to, to think that we live in a world like that mm-hmm. like we can't just know that me walking home is going to be safe like i take this route every day but one of those days someone wrong could be around the corner yeah that's so scary to think and you know since like i touched on like you know 
system and, and who it benefits and whatever. There was another case of this girl called Shayna Price. I'm not sure if you saw it on social or whatever, but she was actually originally fined 90 quid for, quote, wasting police time because she was trying to report wow. her stalker five times in like the span of six months. And guess what happened? He ended up killing her. So this goes back to what I just said, you know, change is not going to happen as if these systems stay in place and it's it's going to be a hell of a difficult task, I think. But imagine that. The, the, the authority that we're supposed to be going to is going to turn around and find the, the victim. This is why people don't have trust in authority because they... They report things time and time again. And then you read things of other women reporting them and just nothing happening about it and things just escalate and they end up getting killed or raped or whatever. And it's like, do something. Like women are literally crying for help. Uh, It just goes back to performative, isn't it? Like you hear the prime minister being like, oh, I'm so sad to hear this. Okay. Now what? It just pisses me off. The thing is, the authorities are only going to do stuff when there is an explicit case in front of them, and that shouldn't be the case. They shouldn't be implementing rules and, like, you know, anti-rape laws after a rape has occurred, but that they're only going to respond mm. to something that's actually happening. Yeah, the justice system is, is a whole other thing in itself, a whole other, um, what's the word? Yeah, it's, it's a sticky one in itself. What do we feel about the um, recent um, harassment law that came out that said, like, you can, it's, it's kind of a law now that it's illegal. You can get, like, done for it in the UK. What comes under the bracket of harassment law-wise? Exactly. Exactly. I don't, I've not looked into it, but, yeah, it's a good, fair question. How, how, do you, how do you monitor something like that? I think it's easy for people to find loopholes and in, in, in stuff like that. Do you think? Yeah, man. I guess it just depends Yeah, what, what the law entails. I was going to say, verbal versus physical harassment are understood as two very different forms of abuse. They have the same emotional and mental impact on a person, but again, to an authoritative figure, it's based off as something you can see versus the word of mouth. And I feel like for a lot of cases, there's only so far a verbal harassment case can go. Well, if, this shit, if shit like this where, where the police is going to turn around and say you wasted our time. I'm not sure how much faith I have in this law either. Yeah. To be honest, not know. much faith at all. On top of that, I guess, what did we think of the hashtag not all men? Oh God, cry me a fucking river. That annoyed me. Annoyed you? That's an understatement. Infuriated many, if not all women. That got on my last nerve. Yeah. That was just, ugh, ugh. You can't be playing the victim card when there's something going on right in front of you and trying to, you know, scapegoat onto something else. It just didn't make any fucking sense. The thing is, though, we're not stupid. Like, we know it's not all men, but it's too many. That's the issue. It's too many. Mm, Yeah. Well, that hashtag... Well, that hashtag comes from a place of, of pure ignorance and selfishness. You know, whenever something's said that might be specific to a certain group, there's always going to be a post, comment, hashtag, whatever, that's pushed back as a response to take away what that group is actually facing. You know, it happened in the Black Lives Matter movement with All Lives Matter coming back as, as a rebuttal. Like Mariam said, we know yeah. men experience harassment too. We know men, it's not all men. But why is shit like this said with the intention of deflecting from the fact that women face excessive harassment. Sharing hashtag not all men is going to do what, please? The stat that 97% women, you know, experience sexual harassment still exists. So what have you achieved exactly? Exactly. Like, good for you. It's only to stroke... It's only to stroke your own ego and then reassure yourself that... And if you really need to defend your ego that much, that's also speaking volumes. Like, why are you getting so defensive? Yeah. Exactly. More time, more time, it'd be the same guy saying hashtag not all men that be doing the dirty. So I don't know what's wrong with you. It'd really be the same men. In it, these are the men that are going to be quiet on group chats when their friends are roasting the shit out of girls and they say shit all, but they say, oh no, I didn't get involved. It wasn't me, but they're still observing and ghosting the chat. That's just as much damage as anybody else. Exactly. You know, if you're so concerned about not being perceived as a man who like harasses women, 
then let's stop with like the performative stuff on socials. Let's stop with like putting up one post saying how sad this is and then doing nothing in real life. Yeah. Call out the men that are around you. Don't stay friends with those who continue to harass. If you can like be big man about it online, why are you such a pussy when it comes to cutting off friends or calling them out? Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Bystanders, man. Just watch it happen. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's terrible. It's like bystander effect. Like you hear you hear you hear someone getting murdered and you think oh i don't i won't do anything about it someone else will okay well that person's died now so you could have done something about it sort of that um theory but it's fucked up yeah man people are always like i'll oh, leave it to the next person it's too late by then what have you guys um ever experienced harassment yourself <sighs> of course <laughs> of course of course who hasn't what woman hasn't to be honest that's the question i'd actually really like to meet a woman who hasn't for real for real that doesn't exist man every woman has experienced some sort of harassment or abuse or like torment from a man like it's it just happens and speaking of like personal experiences i remember one time one time actually i remember last summer like literally every single time i went out (laughs) i was harassed or catcalled in some way like every single time and it's just like I remember putting up a story in, in around the same time in summer uh, I was just sharing like how my day was absolutely ru- absolutely ruined by a guy who just wouldn't let me go about my day um, and basically he, I was like walking in Leicester Square and you know when like I'm not sure if you guys can relate but like I feel like girls have an intuition when they know someone's gonna approach a guy's gonna approach them or stop them yes yeah yeah for sure it's a sixth sense yeah it's because we're so used to it as well and like we just know what's about to happen and and then I was like yeah he's gonna stop me and he's like excuse me excuse me can I ask you a question can I ask you a question and I just spent like five hours like doing work I didn't want to be asked a question by a stranger so I said no and he's like was like, let me ask you then, let me ask you. And I was like, no. And then I like... What the fuck? He like grabbed me as well. I remember this is COVID times as well. So I like pushed him off and he like wouldn't let me go. And then I eventually slapped him. And he like went, he went for me. And obviously I'm not going to shy away from a scrap. Was this in broad daylight as well? Bro, it was like 4 p.m. in the summer in Leicester Square. Trafalgar Square. So people were fully around you? Yeah, yeah. But you know, until like it got violent or, or was gonna go towards violent no one stepped in because you know it's it's like like i said bystander effect it's not nothing to do with me british etiquette is just too polite for that i guess but <laughs> that's you, awful uh, yeah like eventually like they pulled the guy away and pushed him out and i went by my day wow he didn't like i wasn't like emotional or anything it just fucking pissed me off like don't start on me like who are you yeah um and then obviously I went back home, decided I'd put it on my story, like what I went through today. Um, and it sort of, I put a poll up, like has, who's experienced sexual harassment. And literally so many people got involved and shared, like it was literally, I think it was probably like 98, 97, around the 90 mark. And anyone who'd said no were, were ironically men. Um, so many girls reached out at that point as well and they were sharing their stories and I guess it was really infuriating to hear some of the shit that girls have actually gone through for just minding their own business Um, and I also asked the question of whether you'd be likely to ignore it or um, fight back and it was sort of like a majority would would choose to ignore it and go about their day than than, I guess get into even more trouble and fight back because there was another case I'm not sure if you heard I don't remember her name but she was I think she was just walking back to her car and and she and this guy like approached her and she politely said no you know and then he I think he raped and killed her so it's very much a catch-22 sort of you be nice about it you get raped and killed You, you be aggressive about it you get raped and killed so so what what do I do yeah yeah, there's no winning. That is really awful to hear. Um, and I'm so surprised that women actually interacted with you, Jesse, because I feel like a lot of people do suppress it and they don't feel comfortable talking about it because there's like an element of shame to being harassed, even though it's nothing to do with you and it's nothing to do with yourself as a character. Well, you know, um, Vidya, actually, just sorry to cut you, but like okay. touching on like, I'm surprised, you know, you were saying you're surprised. Mm-hmm. I was low-key thinking as well, like, 
is there any point in me sharing this? Like, is it even that deep? Like the fact that I was even thinking like, what's, what are people going to say? Is it even that yeah. deep? It's so crazy in itself because it's so normalised, this whole like catcalling and, and harassment throughout a woman's day. Yeah, for sure. And it's come to a point for us where it's happened so many times throughout our lives that we just, well, this is me personally, actually, but at times I feel like I just have to laugh about it. Otherwise, I'm going to really deep it and think, shit, this is really happening mm. to me. You know, I've had microaggressions when uh, it's come to harassment I live in a really family-orientated area. Not saying that it justifies harassment or anything like that. I just expected to receive less, I guess. But whenever I go for a run, I will be catcalled multiple times. You know, people in cars and lorries and they get out the window and scream or something or honk. And it's got to the point where I raise my middle finger and cuss at them and then just brush it off because I'm just so tired of it. Yeah, I think that's one thing. That's one thing that really bothers me is like when you're just innocently walking down the road in broad daylight and then there'd be like a man in a car and as he's driving forward, his head will turn. Yeah, oh my that God. That kind of, oh. Have you experienced anything, Miriam? I think apart from like catcalling and the usual, I guess, um, there's like one incident that kind of comes to mind when I think about experience. Um, a couple of years ago, um, I was in Pakistan and it was my cousin's wedding um, and we were in a mosque. She got married in a mosque in Islamabad and, um, you know, like when you're all not like dressed up, dressed up, obviously it was it wasn't as glitzy and as glamorous because it was in a mosque, but we were somewhat dressed up and I was with my cousins um, and we were just taking photos in like the outdoor area and my parents and um, just the adults of the family were like stood at the entrance of the mosque and me being like the 15 maybe 14 16 year old self I was I just walked back to like go home because it was like we were about to go so I walked back to the entrance and on my way I was alone it wasn't that far of a walk though um there was like a group of men like three or four and they started following me and I remember just like the type of stuff going through my head in that moment, I was like, shit, I don't know why they're following me and I don't know why they're giving me looks like that. And they kept like whistling as well. And to me, I was thinking like, geez, these guys are in a mosque and they're looking at me, a young girl with them eyes. I felt so like violated and so like literally scared for my life. And I remember like running to my mum and just being like, those men are creepy and if I didn't run here as quick as I did I don't know what could have happened and then my mum like took me in like <laughs> a mother bird and she was like no like don't touch my child type of thing but yeah man that was just scary to me because imagine like in a mosque like a religious place you're gonna act like that yeah it makes it worse that it's in a place of worship that makes it so much more I don't know, kind of sinful. Makes it feel like nowhere's safe. Yeah, man, nowhere is safe. I actually think, just That's thinking of my experiences, I remembered another one as well. I remember, is this like two years ago? I was coming back from, and it just kind of gives me chills, you know, hearing about like women who get killed and whatever in the evening for like mm. going back, trying to go back home because there's literally the same situation. I was coming back home from a new year's party and got off the bus and literally had like five minutes to walk down like the strip um the broadway strip and then i'd literally be home um just walking minding my own business no one was really on the street in this car i literally remember it so vividly it was a nissan and it was this like copper colour Nissan and he was literally like I felt again the intuition kicked in and I felt like I knew there was not something right here and he was like driving a bit abnormally like slow and I felt like it was something to do with me <clears throat> so I just kept on walking and then he drove up a bit faster and I was like phew and then he kind of like pulled over onto to the side road and he just got out the car and just like like just stood out the car and just watched me walk past and then I was like, right, okay. If that's that's the end of it, then whatever. Whatever. I'm so close to home. Then he he was. I saw him drive back up out and pull a, pull pull to the side again, and he got out again. And he was like, get in the car. And I was like, what the fuck are you on about? 
And again, I was like, fuck, right off. Am I getting in your car? I just like, told him to like piss off and whatever, hand gestures and all. Um, <clears throat> started walking again and he kind of just watched me, didn't get back in the car, he just like was watching me. <clears throat> and I'd like managed to walk further down so he wasn't really in sight. And then I saw the 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 the, the copper Nissan and I was like, fuck, I need to run. So I just started running and I got into like the um porch of, of the house and I was like, I need to I need to hide now because he can't see me like going into my house obviously. And then I hid in the bushes and I was literally scoping him till like he drove past and he was driving like in a sense, you know, like when you're looking for someone and he was like just looking around, like driving really slow, like on patrol. And I was like, fuck. And then I got into bed. I was just laying in bed. Like, I'm literally not going to tell anyone about this because if I told my family, like. <laughs> but why didn't you want to? Like, what was the reason that you didn't want to share that? The instant response would be, you're never going to go out like that again if that happened. They would mm. get very protective. Just because like, yeah, yeah protective. <laughs> But it's scary. But it just makes me think, like, literally anything could happen. Do you know what it is? I don't know how you guys, like, swear at them and, like, start giving them hand gestures. Because in moments like that, I just get so scared. And I'm like, I don't want to do anything to escalate the situation or, like, make them angry or... Well, that's why I was intrigued to see, like, whether, like, what what side people are on. Like, would they choose to just, like, just let it happen and, and... Go God, about no, there, or would they? Staying quiet doesn't mean you let it happen. I mean, not staying quiet, but like, I guess not shouting and screaming at them. I don't know, but for me, I would just be like, shit, and just leg it. Like, I wouldn't even bother with the whole F you, F you, like, just leg it. Someone asked me to sit in their car. Nah, mate. Um, I think it depends, like, what like part of the day it is as well because like when it's in broad daylight I feel way more confident in you know (laughs) raising my finger or like being loud about it because I just think there are going to be more people around me versus when it's at night I will put my head down I will go to the other side of the road and I probably will be in a group of people as opposed to walking somewhere myself I don't know man I don't think there's ever any like a any context or any response that will of course, like, you know, keeping your head down and just trying to get to the destination you're getting to will probably be, like, the most safest bet. But like I said, like I mentioned some of the prior cases, it just doesn't feel like there's any sort of situational context that is best fitted for, for how to deal with harassment. Because it seems like... Mm. No, there isn't. Mm-hmm. It's in the moment, you know. There's no right or wrong way to deal with it. It's just how you're going to react. You know, the whole fight or flight sort of emotion comes into it. And it's... yeah. I don't know. You can never really be prepared to be attacked or harassed. As much as you want to think I'm prepared for a situation like this, you never will be. Exactly. Because it's not just a physical impact, but it's a mental impact as well. So it's not like you can train your mind to, you know, react in a certain way and be headstrong all the time. Yeah. In a sense, like, you can, but it obviously requires years and years of doing that kind of shit if you're into that stuff i remember speaking to a friend after hearing recent events and she was like i really want to get into self-defense and sort of you know that side of things like boxing whatever it is i don't know it's like as, as cool as that is it's just such a shame that that's not coming from a place of passion it's more so like i need to prep myself to to to, to for for sort of whenever that situation happens i'll be quote unquote ready but also jesse when i say that i mean like physically yeah you can train and like you can build up self-defense but like mentally yeah, you're yeah. not gonna be ready for that whatever it's not like the films no yeah. it's not it's exactly. definitely not you could be physically ready as much as you want but like if in that moment your body just goes through like shock and it doesn't know what to do all that training goes down the drain mm-hmm. right it can be very scary yeah i guess yeah although i've noticed in the uk in terms of women being harassed or attacked there's less of a stigma speaking out about it whereas i found in south asia there's very much more the element of shame and this built up repression i don't it's like very taboo it's not talked about enough and it's it's not like a comfortable conversation to have in our community yep like a common theme I've seen since like starting this page and like engaging with people, like even like with anything that we've asked is sort of the act of suppression and hiding. Women are not like in any sense, you know, empowered to come out, get out of these these situations or even share their experience. If anything, it's like actually the other way around, like the blame is put on them. So sort of like the things that we were saying, you know, why were you wearing this? You shouldn't have been out this late. It's probably the way you were acting. So 
sort of these behaviors are again reinforced in I, I think they're reinforced in South Asian families. Mm. I guess the question is then do you think the Desi culture or mentality perpetuates sexual harassment or creates a place for it to occur? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Completely. This is actually a good place for me to mention one of the points I wrote down. Um, so in my mum's line of work, she comes across like a lot of cases to do with domestic violence and assault and abuse. Um, so I just want to say before I kind of like actually talk about what she kind of sees or um, encounters, it's it doesn't really apply to the majority of South Asians it is a minority but the minority is all too well known for this type of behavior um so she comes across a lot of women who go through domestic abuse cases who are, are bad specifically and south asian these are specific yeah she works with specifically south asians right. yeah so she encounters a lot of women who are going through like domestic abuse cases um marital rape assault physical abuse, emotional abuse, all that type of stuff. And I was talking to her about it. And from her perspective, most of those situations are from like the type of, it's it's the type of situation where the man will be third, fourth gen in the UK and he'll marry a girl from abroad. She'll come over here, but she'll have no idea of her rights yeah she'll yes, have yes. no idea of the type of places she can go to to seek help and she'll come here and she'll be a maid and she'll she'll serve his family and she'll have that's how they can take advantage though, mm-hmm. isn't it? that's exactly what they do they take advantage they they abuse her they shame her they basically use her as like a servant in the house to look after the kids to clean and it's just it's awful and these women get stuck in this cycle of like being hurt but not being able to seek help and yeah sorry Marion can I ask are these marriages arranged or are they forced I'd say they're usually arranged do you think they're brought in as like I'm gonna say personal experience but do you feel like they're brought in as like she'll be able to change him no, I think I think it's just kind of a, a culture thing where parents, it is in our culture where parents will like sometimes go find a husband for you, find a wife for you. But sometimes it'll be more of what the family wants and not mm. what's best for their son. And the family just wants a girl who will do the cooking, ah, who will do the okay. cleaning, who will raise the kids. And they get one of them uneducated girls from somewhere in South Asia, bring her over here, not tell her about, you know, what her rights are and and whatever and then when it comes to her being so like badly hurt emotionally and physically and mentally and if she does you know go out and get help whether she goes to the police whether she goes to like social services whatever the case she'll go into like protection or she'll end up waiting for like her immigration status um but then a lot of them do end up dropping the case completely because they'll get this what pressure from the family? Social social pressure from the family. But apart from that as well, they develop so many like mental health issues. Yeah. And they start thinking about their kids, like what's going to happen to my kids? Are they going to be taken away from me? Stuff like that. That's but- why the family's like rarely ever scared because they're like, oh, she's not a gaudy. She's not going to, you know, go to these lengths to go and report this stuff because what does she even yeah. know? But uh, there's like a reoccurring phrase that every like, <sighs> not every, but like, people in this situation like to use and like um take advantage of the victim where they're like mm-hmm. you know like mean that translates to like what you're gonna do is gonna ruin the the honor or the respect on the family <laughs> so so you know? fucked up because it's like what's what's your son doing yeah, yeah like no. it's okay to do it behind closed doors but the minute you tell someone all of a sudden like we're gonna look like the bad people like you're yeah. already the bad people it's all about mm. family name especially that's a big thing in south asian communities like the reputation <sighs> and the front you know the veneer it's a big thing it's horrible i feel for these girls so much because they come to the uk or to the us or wherever they end up going thinking i'm going for a better life i'm marrying a boy from abroad like you know how it is there you come here mm. with like this idea of like an amazing life and then you end up being isolated in a room with no social life with no phone with no money battered and bruised on the daily 
And it's like, you've got no one. It's mad. But the thing is, that I, I, so many like women go through that situation. So many where they come, yeah, man. you know, from from like South Asia and come here or, or the US or whatever. And then their husband's just out doing, he's either out doing bits or whatever, acting like he's single or coming home and beating her up, etc., etc. Jeez, man. I think that's where things and aspects like marital rape, you know, stem from. It's a sort of forced marriage because you're being placed into a partnership that hasn't had a mutual understanding in the first place. Mm. Marital rape can happen in, in mm. any marriage, though. It doesn't necessarily have to be a forced marriage. No, true, yeah, very true. I think men just understanding no means no, whether you're married, whether you're in a relationship... If you've been together for years, if she said no, boy, that means no. Respect yeah. it. Constantly persisting isn't a yes. It's just you're pushing them to their boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I guess in reference to, you know, the whole suppression and, and staying in the cycle, like we've already touched on this, but men abusing women is so normalized in so many South Asian cultures. Uh, <sighs> like, you know, I'll name an example. Like in India, there's a place called Haryana. And some of these men there genuinely see women like as inferior punching bags, um, you know, and I guess the whole thing on consent and un- understanding what sex is, I genuinely believe things like sex, sex education or keeping an ob- open conversation with parents in the sense not not seeing a parent figure as like a person of intimidation doesn't exist in or neither is encouraged in South Asian culture, which it should be so many so many they see kids and adults grow up unaware of boundaries and basic morals to the point where they actually sound like idiots when talking about like said issues so yeah like let's say like sex, sex education there seems to be the connotation that sex education means that you're going to be encouraging your child to have premarital sex or whatever which is not the case if anything i'd say it's denying them the right to understand denying them the right to understand the human body and how anatomy or sex works which leaves them clueless when it comes to a relationship and and completely wrong in how to like treat men and women more time women i think that is one thing that i really wish my mom kind of talked to me about when i was growing up because i know there was instances where that i went through as a as a younger girl not knowing that what was happening with me was wrong and that that man did not have a right to do certain things or talk to me in a certain way or act a certain way around me. And I wish that those conversations were like open and and a normal thing so that I could have known from a young age to be like, back off. Do you know what I mean? And that really hurts me like growing up and being like, shit, I went through that as a young kid and I didn't even know that that was happening. Mm -hmm. Did we ever have like any chats with our parents about, you know, outside of school sex education? I think it was very much a quiet topic in my household, I can't lie. We never really spoke about, you know, like, dating or boys or anything like that in general. Um, I remember, though, before I went to, like, a, I think it was, like, Leeds Fest or something, I just had a quick talk. It was, like, no sex, no drugs, no boys, and that was that. So it's not in really terms a talk. Of, no, it wasn't really a talk. It was more a short and sweet sentence. Mm. So when it came to actually exploring like any sort of like sexual aspect I was very very clueless and even in school especially like you know I feel like they don't really educate they didn't really educate us enough until it was almost too late and people had already started exploring really so you never had primary school things where like you well we did but it wasn't it wasn't anything like relevant and wasn't like in detail and for example like the whole condoms um conversation that was in my last year of school so when we were 18 last year of uni no not i mean uni Uh, last uh, year of last year of high school yeah man what yeah, I'm pretty sure it's either when I was 17 or 18, but it's like, if it's the legal age that you can, what, like, no have way. sex when you're 16, and you know that children are, well, children, teenagers are going to have sex, then why are you saying it when we're not in school? No, genuinely, yeah, that was, we that had, was the case. We had our, we had um, in primary school, you know, there's the opt-in or opt-out for the sex education thing. And of course, I'm glad my Do mom- you think that's right to have an opt-in and opt-out? I think, I don't, I'm really i think so but surely you'd rather be educated before you go into it's not encouraging it's just showing you yeah Yeah, and we we had we had that in in primary school and it was very well covered like 
in detail or condom talk, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I think it depends how you look at it. I, I think about it quite religiously. And I, I, I think I'd want control over when my kids learn about certain things. That doesn't go to say that I wouldn't want them to know about their rights and like what's going on with their bodies and whatever. But I still but think it leaves them clear. I would just want to be in control. I don't mm. think so. I think if I'm a parent, then I should be in charge of when they're learning things, specifically if it's about sex and sexual education. I don't necessarily feel comfortable with a Western, <laughs> with the Western teachings. Maybe those who choose to opt out and then not giving any sort of education. Yeah, maybe. I remember one time, I remember one time in, actually, I'm not going to say when. I just remember one time I was in class Um whether this was in high school or uni, whatever, I'm not going to say. But it's just sat with this girl. We're in psychology. Okay, I will say we were towards the older side of things. Older side. She didn't know what a clit was. And I was like, I, I was just so shocked. I was, I had to hide it. I was like, you're this year, this year's old, X years old. And you don't well, know. Well, see, this is the thing. Like, I think in most South Asian, I mean, I am completely generalizing, but this is just what I've heard. Like, they are very um quiet on like the sexual health matters and like exploring your sexual side so when there's this sort of opt-in opt-out i feel like a lot of young south asians aren't actually then receiving the you know education on it from their family it's more they're exploring it themselves which isn't i don't know yeah, and, and also just to touch i'm not sure if there's a western aspect to sex education because it's is sex education it's like i think sex based. education in itself is a, it's a pretty western concept you don't get that in south asia but i i understand why i, I there's pros and cons to it i think wouldn't that explain the lack of sex education it would explain the behaviors in behind the culture I then yes but that's what i mean that's what i mean to so having having a home sort of like sex education of some sort should be encouraged i think open and confident conversation mm -hmm. at home should be encouraged but not necessarily in a classroom where the parents aren't involved. Because I think that's a really personal thing. And I think as a parent, if I was a parent myself... So you're saying it like from a personal aspect? Yeah, but also, yeah, I'd want to be involved. That's a massive thing to like, if my kids are going through learning about their body, learning about, I don't know, just really intimate things, that should be coming from me. Do you know what I mean? That's mm. going to be, I don't know. But then I guess not every parent is going to execute that to a good standard so that's the issue you want everyone to have like a baseline so I do get that but I don't know I don't know you know like I feel like when I was younger I was definitely not in a position to feel comfortable to speak to my parents about things like that that's what I mean it needs to be encouraged well yeah that's yeah, what I'm saying. That's, saying. that's the thing that needs to change is parent to child but I think that's just a general teenage mindset to not speak to their parents about that sort of thing and having a non-biased perspective like mm. school to shed light on that but again it's yeah it's a, it's a very odd one I, I don't I don't really know myself but did you guys have any conversations with your parents no. about it then no. not really uh nothing like explicit but like you know I, I wasn't like afraid to come into class into at home and be like you know we learned this or whatever yeah. and my mum wouldn't be like oh don't speak about that whatever she wouldn't be like that my mum's very much been a friend more than a authoritative figure so I do remember like one time coming home I learned something in year six and then I came back and I asked my mum about it and then she was like oh <laughs> this is a bit awkward <laughs> but she did she did just straight to the point no, we did talk about it and it was nice that she was you know open about the conversation and if any parents are listening or like any like younger children <laughs> then I would say like talk to your parents talk to your kids like encourage the conversation because it is important because it'll avoid so many things yeah. in the future as well and it avoids that element of shame as well which is a big thing that we spoke about you know you feel like you can openly express it rather than it be a stigmatizing taboo subject mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly What's another thing you think that perpetuates sexual harassment in Desi culture? I think a big one is going to be cases that happen in South Asia are brushed under the rug too often. The system, it's always the system. The system. The system. It's messed up everywhere. Everywhere. Mm. And it's systematic victim blaming too because women hold a lower role in society compared to men, so... 
I don't know if you guys heard about um, a case that happened in Pakistan not too long ago about a woman who was on the highway and she got um, she ran out of fuel or something and two men came and basically gang raped her in front of her kids. Shit. No, I didn't. Did you guys not hear no, about I that? Didn't. When was this? Do you know? This was oh, it was pretty recent. I can't I can't Whoa. put a date to it, but it, it was quite recent. No. But it was it was massive. It was such, it caused, like, insane um, controversy. It's like if she passed away? I don't think she passed away. I think she survived. Again, I didn't read too much into it. Do you know what it is? With stuff like this, it breaks my heart too much and I feel like I can't go into it too much. But it headlined a lot. And, um, but bro, in front of her kids, man, her young children as well, they weren't even, like... I feel like rape culture is quite big in South Asia, though, and still right now. Like, I think it's a big thing. But I was reading about this case. This was a while ago, granted, but, you know, it's still very much prevalent today. It was um, the gang rape case in Delhi in 2012. And it's this whole idea of, like, transport, like, public transport being such a big thing as well. So it was this girl and she was travelling with her male friend on a private bus and Mm. she got gang raped and she did eventually pass away, which was awful. Um, But it's it's just crazy. But they did, they did, they did... In, I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna go into detail, of course. But they did terrible things know, to her. Like it genuinely like make you cry. What they did to her. And she was like fighting for her life in the hospital, and people obviously caused a lot of uproar, didn't it? People yeah. were out protesting and and all well, sorts. Well, it was because of like the uproar from public pressure that they had um, like the government instilled a harsher anti-rape. Uh, criminal law but it's it's the fact that they you say that well yeah but didn't she just get justice like recently like they, they only got convicted recently well yeah they they were on and death I, just, I remember seeing a video of her mum yeah yeah her mum like crying like finally i know it's really? the f- oh, god I, I don't even know man but it's the fact that you know there's only results after something this horrific has happened and that's almost yeah. like done to pacify the public <laughs> as opposed to something that's mm. actually put out there to keep people safe but then again you know like the me too movement that really propelled after that in south asia um and it was really empowering females but i guess that was more from the rage than anything isn't it just gone back to yeah yeah Mm. probably it's just gone back to sort of people men men thinking they have ownership yeah i mean there have been like certain movements though going on I don't know if it's been the case around South Asia, but I know in Pakistan recently um, there was the Aura of the March. It's like a yearly thing now, but I don't know if you've guys heard about that. What is that? There's basically like an annual march. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a play on words like Aura of the March, the year, month of March, and then March meaning like a protest as well. Um, but it's basically where women go out and they fight for their rights. Um, yeah, man. That's basically it, which is, it's a pretty like controversial thing in Pakistan because obviously it's taboo. It's, it's, it's not spoken about enough. So it's a pretty big deal in Pakistan. Do you feel like movements can have enough impact? Yes. I almost feel like, I almost feel like that the, the government is sort of laughing at these people doing marches. Like, mm. ha, 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 we'll, we'll put something in that, that is performative and then appease yeah. these lot and yeah. they can shut up. No, that just makes sense. I mean, I think an issue is that they can't, like, you can't be having these movements consistently all year long. So it's not like there's enough impact, uh, like a consistent impact, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, exactly. Like, it's one hell of a task and it feels like if you're not doing it every day of the year, there's not going to be much impact because it's the system at the end of the day that needs changing, which is, like I said before, is hell of a task so i mean even if you are protesting well done because at least you're not sat posting on social media acting <laughs> i think just another case that i kind of want to share before moving on as well um a lot of people probably have heard of this as well because it was quite widespread um there was a case back in 2018 of a young girl i think she was seven at the time um called zainab and she was abducted from her hometown on her way to Quran class. Um, and this 24-year-old man basically raped and murdered her. And her body was found in a garbage disposal site. 
And I think it took them like five days or something to find her body. Um, and the guy was arrested and he was identified as like a serial killer. And he'd been responsible for like previous rapes and murders of other pubescent girls as well. Um, so yeah, man. How did they not figure those out? I don't, I don't know, man. Like what is going on? But this is what just irritates me. Like, if he was, oh, he would, oh. yeah. <laughs> it just makes me so speechless. Like, because sure, it led to like the first national child safety law. Fair enough. Good for them. But Why did that not exist where, anyway? Yeah. If this guy, if you knew that this guy was murdering and raping other pubescent yeah. girls, why did it take this one girl to make that law? Why? Because people, like, protested. Yeah, ra- rape and, and harassment and abuse have existed from the dawn of time. Like, the only reason it's, like, feels like it's all over the place is, you know, social media and media itself but just i don't know it just feels like all these laws coming out just seem like i said performative it's only a thing now because women feel like they can actually speak up about it whereas in the past they couldn't i still don't think women feel comfortable speaking about it i'm not gonna lie well not all of course not but yeah on a general sense efforts are being made I think it's just the, in like South Asian culture, it's just like even the general treatment of boys and girls is different. You know, like even things like that we might find in households here where the boys are let off a lot more than girls, mothers coddling their sons, boys being allowed to go out till late, girls aren't. Uh, in some ways, actually, the last one where, you know, girls aren't allowed to go out, out late is kind of ironic because it's as if they see parents are aware there's a danger for girls, but then they're unknowingly or ignorantly adding to it. I guess. Well, you are. If you're doing, if you're doing what we what we said before sure unknowingly yeah but um but i think it is a part of like just protecting the girls as well i don't think it comes from a bad place i don't think you can say that for 100 percent of people ignorant ignorant in the sense of not willing to listen and and change their opinions you know it always used to aggravate me when i was younger and my friends had started going to town by themselves and i wasn't allowed without my parents and they just say you know it's different because you're a girl and i'd be like what's that meant to me mm. what is this and that'd be the end of the discussion but as i grew up you know the dots yeah. started to connect and you actually understand why even stuff from childhood like way back like you know some people don't want a baby girl so they abort it in the hopes for like a boy next time or as a child seeing your father abusing your mom it's gonna obviously have a negative impact on on like your views towards women and 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 influencing your behavior i remember there was a film actually um it, f- from bollywood it's called murdani which you know that means like manhood whatever um and it was basically this cop was this female cop she got given this case where these women kept coming up and dying and, and being raped in the most gruesome ways and she had to try and find the serial killer and he was like chasing her around in loops and eventually at the end it sort of explains how his father had uh, seeing his father and his mum had like shaped his view of women and how he absolutely despised his mother of course this is an extremely um this is an extreme case but sort of he despised his mother and women in general and he just sort of wanted to take vengeance um so yeah things like that can have lasting impacts i guess so so what you know we've stated all these issues where what can we do to to change that education from a young age for sure education yeah education changing the patriarchy yeah definitely i think in the uk especially a lot of south asian girls are still expected to have a serving mentality and that's the thing that needs to be changed but it's the younger generation's job to try and break down these barriers and actually call out their family friends or relatives whenever they're feeling uncomfortable rather than allowing it. And, you know, this is the main reason why people end up doing things behind closed doors and have secret tendencies Mm. or whatever. Yeah. An education system definitely needs to change. I mean, the the system's flawed anyway, like outside the context of sex education or whatever. But so, so, yeah, definitely that needs to change do you feel like because i've said this like outside of podcasts you know on our page as well i feel like a lot of social 
changes come generationally so do you feel like there's no sort of do you feel like there's no hope for like our parents right now or or their ideologies and it's more so making sure that the generations to come are well educated uh, 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 sort of have a place where they can go to speak to someone and etc etc I wouldn't say there's no hope Um, I mean opinions can always be changed things can always be looked at differently Um, but I will say it's more impactful to change or to um, implement things in a new generation than it is to change old ways, especially because it's so like deep rooted and it's so ingrained in our parents and our older generations. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think opinions can be changed and you can always have, you know, subtle changes to your day-to-day life like if you're talking to your parents you can bring up conversations now and then but it's that's not gonna make a difference unless it's done constantly and over a period of time or even if you have parents who are willing to listen because some people don't yeah some people can't even have proper conversations with their parents um and it is a very like formal dynamic so Mm. so what would you say for those for those people who are too afraid to talk to their parents or anyone in the family talk to people around you your friends I think that's the next I think yeah yeah exactly you need to have some sort of yeah strong support system around you if that's not your family please like find friends who are like that if not friends helplines services there's always someone who's willing to listen even reflecting yourself you know like I like regardless of like conversation I'm talking about in any aspect even if you're like keeping a diary keeping a recount of anything yeah like, at, at least if you can address the matter yourself whether that's to someone or you know if you can't find that if it's to yourself or a helpline like yeah, as long as you can find some way to reflect that I think that's a good step in like the right direction I would say something that we have to remember as girls as well is we can't just let things slide time and time again if something happens, do something about it. If someone's done something to you and you, it's made you feel a type of way, address it. Don't just sweep it under the rug. Do you know what I mean? Like Sometimes it is hard, though. If I'm talking, for example, a girl-boy friendship dynamic, where do you draw the line between banter and harassment slash bullying? Taking it too far. Yeah, taking it too far and actually being disrespected in that sense. If you feel disrespected, voice it. I mean, things like rape jokes and that are not funny. I think I'm talking about more microaggressions and something more explicit like that, but yeah. Oh yeah, like Mariam said, you have to address it. You let it slide, they think it's fine. That's what I'm saying. If something's made you feel uncomfortable, if it's made you feel a type of way, girls need to stop pushing things under the rug. As hard as it might be, it's 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 justifiably hard. It is difficult, but you gotta you got to start shouting out and saying, stop, man. You know, I also think it is. I think it's sort of the whole uh thing about oh you're such a like pussy why are you crying about everything like this is both guys and girls actually like why are you so sensitive stop crying you'll cry about everything oh my god she literally gets annoyed by everything oh my days because you're annoying you're ignorant that's why yeah i feel like sometimes people are put in a situation where they don't want to make it awkward for the rest of the group or they don't want to make a tense dynamic so they don't say anything who cares man no i know i know i'm just saying this is the case that is true like a lot of people might not say it because of how it's going to be orcs now but that's the whole point of not going in then fucking so be it yeah you just have to say it yeah not giving into social pressures but it's having that mindset like you need to be kind of like mentally strong enough to go through like having the consequence of maybe not having that friend or being in that relationship. I think sometimes it is hard for people to, you know, grow and build that mindset where they know the consequence could be that they've lost a friend or relationship or a husband or whatever because of this. So it's it's definitely easier said than done. You know, it's something that you have to like really prepare yourself for in that sense. Do you not feel like it's, you know, if, the circle around you is making you feel uncomfortable or so prone to like microaggressions or um things that are borderline feeling like harassment or or foul jokes you not feel like that's the wrong circle anyway sort of as opposed to shit am i gonna lose this friend well really are they yeah for sure but it's hard you know depending on the situation you're in like for example if you're in high school or at uni like socializing is this big thing and if you know, no one wants to be by themselves, so they'd rather be in a group of people that hate them. That's true. They, you know, vice versa. Like, that is just a case that happens. Social acceptance. Exactly. It's all social pressures. It's harder when you're in... It's harder when you're in high school as well, because it's obviously, like, such a closed 
type of circle. Like you can't really expand out of that. But once you get to uni and there's people making you feel uncomfortable, ditch them, man. You don't need that. Yeah, that's true. That's get right. rid of them. There's so much. There's so many people out there. Don't just stick to people that make you feel bad about yourself. This is on a tangent, but I remember when I was leaving high school and I was like, I'm so glad I'm going to go into an environment like university where everyone's so open and like... It's not the fucking case. <laughs> it's not all click. It's not all clicks, whatever. Cliquey, what, sorry. <laughs> I got that. I'm like, right then. This place is full of microaggressions and all this crap. Yeah, genuinely, it's still a fucking hierarchy system, isn't it? Literally. I mean, that's the case. Like, you don't want to be the person who's a bystander, well, not a bystander, sorry, an outsider and, like, looking inside. You you want to be in it, whether it's toxic or not, so... Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you want to be in it. I'm just saying, like, that is a general case for a lot of people who find that they can't find another group where they're comfortable and they just kind of go along with everything. Let it slide. Yeah, they let it slide. I guess, do we have any sort of resources that might be of use to anyone going through the experiences that we've discussed? Well, there's one, you know, in terms of where to go to help. You can make an emergency call if you've got an iPhone. Yeah, or send your location. And I'll send your location to them as well. Sort of the emergency SOS, um, if you press like the on and the volume buttons at the same time and it'll immediately contact I think 999 as well as your emergency contact so that's pretty handy I think there is certain apps that you can download that um, are for that reason and it'll be like oh we'll, we'll have to link it in the description or in, in our um, caption but there is certain apps that you can download that are for safety so you can like add certain people to it and if you're ever in a situation where you need help you just send out like a mass text and everyone just knows what's going on where you are what you need Also, another resource, um, if you text register to 999, if you're in an emergency situation um, where you can't call them, you can text them and your number will be registered with them. So that might be helpful for anybody in the future. Hopefully not, but just in case that's out there. Mm -hmm. And there's loads of different helplines out there, like regardless if you've, I don't know, phoned the wrong one, they're not going to turn you away. But like some some of the ones I have like victim support or or rape crisis um do reach out people out there to to listen to what you're going through and so are we if you if anyone ever feels like the 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 chat or whatever or anything please reach out on our page we're here to listen we're here to listen reach out on our page or our personals we don't care we're here for you we'll try to help as much as we can well yeah that was sort of a heavy discussion but very much well needed on on what is current in in sort of situations today but we'd also want to hear you know whether that's experiences or just your thoughts on this topic and sexual harassment violence rape abuse yeah and thank you for listening um stay tuned for our next episode which will be with another amazing guest but until then take care bye bye see ya